the glory of the Lord shall not only cover the sea, it will cover every family here today in the name of Jesus. As we open our hearts to your word, bless your people mightily on this day of harvest and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm delighted to uh, be a part of this harvest thanksgiving service. Turn with me, please, to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. I'll read from verse 8 to 11. Isaiah 55, from verse 8 to 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and board, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Glory be to the name of the Lord. Welcome to Harvest 2018. As a young boy growing up, I looked forward to the harvest. And it will surprise you why I was looking forward to the harvest. The Anglican Church then wasn't what it is now. I looked forward to the harvest because of the bazaar that went with harvest. And why do I look forward to the harvest, the bazaar? My mother was a leader of one of the women groups in Christ Church Wani. And because she was a leader, they cook all the food for the group in my house, my father's house. And I was busy watching as the chickens were being slaughtered. And I was looking forward to collecting all the heads of the chicken to devour. So I look forward to the bazaar and I would Pick what I can pick. Don't ask me whether I was authorized to pick them. But I did. And I love the bazaar. And uh, I'll go there and we'll play and play and play. Do lucky deep. Do all the funny things that goes on with the bazaar. And the groups were competing to outwit each other. That was the only kind of church in those days. It was interesting. There was so much fun. But there wasn't much spiritual content to it. Thank God for the Anglican Church today. The bazaar is history. And uh, people have more serious thoughts, more serious things to do for the harvest. So the harvest is still a very important point in the calendar of the church in the year. And we all look forward to it because it's an important milestone in the year. As we look back to celebrate God. And thank God for his mercies. Hallelujah. In the scripture I just read, there are some interesting thoughts I want to share with you today. It's interesting because in the same way as rain waters the earth, the Bible says it does two things. 
it enables the plants to grow in order to give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Same rain. It gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So the produce of the earth is either seed or bread, depending on the recipient. Hallelujah. The Bible says the same with the word of God. The word of God that comes to you is either seed or bread, depending on the recipient. So the question I want to ask you today is, are you an eater or a sower? Are you with me thus far? Are you what? An eater or a sower? Help me preach this. Turn to somebody by your left or your right and tap him or her and say, are you an eater or a sower? You see, bread, bread meets your need of today. Bread meets your need of today. Bread has reached its limit, the limit of what it can become. Once you have had it, it is gone forever. But there is no telling what seed will become. All that seed needs is time. I came to church today with this cup, which the ushers were wondering why I was carrying a cup. The cup is full of seed, beans seed. I eat beans a lot. There are so much beans in my house. So I have a lot of bean seeds with me. But I have a cup full of bean seeds. As I'm, I'm shaking these bean seeds, for those of you who are like me, you are possibly thinking of moi moi. Or you're thinking of porridge. What is sweet porridge or akara? I can make of this cup of beans. You see, if you are an eater, that's how your mind will be working. Moi moi, porridge, or akara. But if you are a sower, you say, wow, a cup of beans. Give me one or two years, and this cup of beans will become a bag of beans. Are you with me? Whereas the eater is wondering how much moi moi or akara, or porridge he can make out of a cup of beans, a sower is saying, Give me time. I'm going to sow the seed and I have a bag of beans. Give me more time and I'm going to sow a bag of beans and in three or four years I'm going to have five or ten bags of beans. That is the mindset of the sower. Are you an eater? Or are you a sower? In Genesis 22, verse 1 to 3, we read these things. And it came to pass that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, take your son, your only son whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall show you. So Abraham rose up in the early hours of the morning, I saddled his donkey and took 
two of his young men and took Isaac his son and split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place where God had told him. Abraham, take your son and go and offer him as a burnt offering. God has a strange sense of humor. Here was Abraham, over 90 years old, and his first son, the right son, not Ishmael. He said, take your son, your only son. He was careful to say your only son because there was also Ishmael. Abraham knew God was not talking of Ishmael. Take Isaac and go to the Mount of Moriah and there sacrifice him. You see, even though Abraham had waited for 90 years to have Isaac, he saw Isaac as seed and not as bread. And he was willing to sacrifice him to God. Now, that was great faith for our only son. He sacrificed a son. But you know what happened? He reaped a nation. Hallelujah. Because when you read verse, 20, verse 8, 17 to 18, God says, because you have done this, you have not withheld your only son. In blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. And your descendants shall be as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on your seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of your enemies. Hallelujah. And what is more? Isaac was sacrificed at Mount Moriah. You know, God was so moved by what Abraham did and chose to sacrifice Jesus at the same spot that Abraham sacrificed Isaac. That Mount Moriah later became Calvary in Jerusalem. And the question I want to ask of you today, are you a seed sower or you are a bread eater? You see, sowers constantly look for a need and seek to fulfill it. Let me ask you a question. What is your son or daughter to you? Seed or bread? What is your spouse to you? What's your husband or your wife to you? Seed or bread? For some women, their husbands are bread, not seed. Because every time they see their husband, they are thinking of what new dress to buy. What new lace to buy. What new jewelry to buy? What new shoe to buy? Is your husband seed or bread? That's where you think when you see your husband, you are an eater. There are some men whose wives are bread, not seed. If you're a man and each time you see your wife, you're thinking of what new food you're going to eat today. You think your wife belongs to the kitchen. That means your wife is bread. All you think of is soup. That means your wife is bread. Food. All the time. You have not encouraged her to educate herself, to enlighten herself and be all she can be in life. Then your wife is bread. You are an eater. You are not a sower. What is this church to you? Seed. Upright. 
When you come to this church and all you are looking for is what you can benefit from the church, then the church is bread to you. But if you are here and you are looking for how you can invest, how you can spend time, how you can contribute to the growth of the church, then the church becomes seed to you. What is the pastor to you? Seed or bread. Each time you see the pastor, you are thinking of what need do I have? Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, lay hands on me. Pastor, I need this. Pastor, I need that. When last did you kneel down by your bread and pray for the pastor? Is a pastor seed or bread? When last did you bless your pastor? Some of you will even go to the clinic of the pastor. You go to Sam's clinic and expect free service. After all, I'm his member. Pastor knows me. I can't afford his fees. When that's the way you think of the pastor, your pastor is bread and not seed. Are you an eater? Or are you a sower? Sowers constantly look for a need and seek to fulfill it. Sowers are cheerful in giving and they do so enthusiastically. Eaters never have enough. They are constantly grumbling. They are constantly complaining. They are constantly unhappy whenever it is time to give. Eaters, some of you are here today and you are wondering harvest again. How much do they want out of me? Sowers know the joy of reaping a harvest because that is God's law. God has taught me to be a sower so much that I some, I sometimes I wonder if I'm sowing too much. But you know, you cannot sow too much. Hallelujah. With God, you cannot sow too much. I'll tell you a small testimony. A few years ago, about seven years ago, it was my birthday. God knows I'm a sower. I give and I don't look back. But God wanted to try me. Comes my birthday, May 21. And the Lord said to me, go and buy the pastor a car. I said, Lord, it's my birthday. The birthday is time you receive gifts, isn't it? And God says, go and do what? Buy a car for the pastor. And you know, I thought I was smart. Because all the money I have in the account was about 200,000 naira. It would require about 900,000 naira then to buy a decent car. So I, I told God, no, you, you know I can't afford it. I only have 200,000 naira. And God just kept quiet. But I knew God was testing me. So I thought my wife would help me. I went to the wife. I said, God says I should buy a car. And I don't have a car. And she said to me, well, if God says you should buy a car, go and find money and buy a car for the pastor. Some wives cannot be helpful when God speaks to you. But you see, God knew what I know. God knew that every time I have a need and I write a check and go to my bank, they honor my check. Even if there's no money in the account. 
That was the kind of trust my bankers had. Because they knew I was credit worthy. So if I wrote a check of 500,000 and there was 100,000 in the bank, the, the bank manager will honor it. He called me as he can do write this check. I say, yes, okay, we'll pay. Because they know within one month I'll pay back. So God wanted to test me whether I could do the same thing to him. I said, what about the tithe? Isn't it 10% I'm supposed to give for those of you who are faithful titers? How many faithful titers are in church today? You don't want to raise your hand now. How many faithful titers are in church today? 10 percenters. Good for you. God says, go and buy the pastor a car. It will be 400% of what I had. Hello? Are you listening to me, you titers? So God was watching me. What I'll do for him, what I'll do for myself. So I stopped arguing. I went to the bank. I said, I needed 900,000 naira. Of course, they said, go and draw it. And I took it, bought a car, and took it to the church on my birthday and gave the pastor a car. Was I smiling? I wasn't really smiling. But I did it all the same. I gave the pastor a car, but I was relieved. Plus, I had to affect the church. You know, between May and December that year, I received income. What about 10 years harvest in one year? 10 years income in one year. Because I obeyed one instruction. When I bought myself a Mercedes C-Class, brand new one, I gave the pastor to Kumbo. I bought myself a Mercedes C-Class, brand new one. I didn't stop there. I took my entire family at December to Dubai. One week. Isn't God a great God? You can't outgive God. So when you grumble at God when it's time to sow your seed, you are cheating yourself. Hallelujah. Whenever Jesus comes to church, do you know where he sits? Huh? He doesn't sit where the bishop is sitting. Where is the offering box? The Bible says Jesus sits by the treasury. Hallelujah. And when they are giving, he is watching to see what they are giving. That's how Jesus saw the widow that gave a mite. And Jesus knew she gave more than everyone. Because she gave a hundred percent. You know what happened to that widow? She never lacked again. Because the same God of the widow at Zarephath is the God of the widow today. Hallelujah. What is this church to you? Seed or bread? So I learned not to withhold. I learned to give excessive. Hallelujah. Last year God came through again for me. I had a big need. I was in a medical crisis. I had gone through surgery where they cut 10 inches through my stomach to clear a blockage in my colon with the later diagnosed to be cancerous. And I needed to go to Germany for further treatment. And I didn't have the money. I didn't have the money. I was broke at that time. So I, sold my, I told my son in Abuja, go and sell my car to earn me some 9 million so I can go and go to Germany. And everybody he called wouldn't buy the car. One of those he called was a friend of mine who was in Enduku before he went to Abuja. And he called me back and said, Azike, did you want to sell your car? I said, yes. He said, no way, you won't sell the car. 
I said, but how will I raise the money to go and treat myself? He said, don't worry. But for you, I wouldn't be a Christian. It's payday. Give me your bank account. To cut a long story short, he paid $5,000 into my bank account. Another friend in Lagos, my brother's friend, called me. I heard you are going to Germany for treatment. Send me your bank account. I didn't ask for it. I was shocked the next day when I saw $10,000 in my bank account. Another brother in Abuja called me. Send me your bank account. They just heard I want to go for treatment. I didn't say give me money. He paid $5,000. My sister, who has never given me even a $100 note, gave me $6,000. By the time I left Nigeria, I had $40,000 in my account. God is a good God. God is a good God. The devil wanted to embarrass me. He wanted to shut my life down. He wanted to kill me. God says, no, I'm not done with you yet. Hallelujah. I'm a living, walking miracle of God. Amen. While the earth remains, Genesis 8.22, seed time and harvest will not cease. There will be cold and heat, there will be winter and summer, there will be day and night, they shall not cease. The realization of the importance of thanksgiving made Moses to formally institute thanksgiving as a law in Israel. He decreed that they should do so seven times in the year. The weekly Sabbath, the Passover, the first fruits, the Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, the Atonement, the Tabernacles, and in all this, all we are to appear before God and they are not to appear empty-handed. Hallelujah. Is it because God needs anything? I got news for you. God needs nothing from you. Are you with me this morning? Hallelujah. There was a time the children of Israel were, were doing shakarat because they were giving. And you know, they started bringing funny things to God. They'll bring a goat that was limping. They'll bring a sheep that had one eye. You know, I God saw this rubbish. And he said to them, If I need food, did you think I will tell you? The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. God owns everything. What is it you have that you didn't receive? If you received it, why are you behaving like you didn't receive it? God owns everything. Hallelujah. So whenever you open your purse and you begin to look for the dirty notes in your purse to give in church, you are an eater. You are not a sower. Hallelujah. Something as trivial as that, it strikes at the heart of giving. If you are going to pick dirty notes to give God and you keep clean notes for yourself, you are an eater. You are not a sower. Hallelujah. You are like Israelites who are bringing animals that had one leg for offering. In Genesis 26, 12 to 14, the Bible says, Isaac sold in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold because God blessed him. And the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants to the point that the Philistines envied him. 
Today, as you come before God, come with the mind of a sower. Giving is not natural to man. What is natural to us is receiving. Giving is motivated by love. Bible says, for God loved the world that he gave. The expression of love is to give, not to receive. So Christian giving is only valid when it's motivated by love. Beyond that, Christian giving is God's strategy for multiplication based on the principle of sowing and reaping. In 1 Corinthians 9 verse 6, the Bible says, For this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according as he proposes in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As he is written, he had dispersed abroad, he had given to his poor, and his righteousness remains, for, remains forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, and bread for the eater, will multiply your seed so, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything, in all bountifulness, which causes through God's thanksgiving to God. Proverbs 11.24 says, There are those who scatter around, and yet they increase. There are those who give excessively. The Bible says they do what? They increase. Can you say to me that those who give excessively, what do they do? They increase. And there are those who withhold. The Bible says they turn to poverty. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes 11.6 says, In the morning, sow your seed. In the evening, withhold not your hand. For you don't know whether we do well, whether this or that, or whether both alike shall do well. Every time we are sowing seeds, as we are going to do today, we are setting in motion the principle of multiplication. Are you with me? Every time we are sowing seeds in church, in the lives of believers who need it, every time we are sowing seeds, we are setting in motion the principle of multiplication. And we trigger God's favor. What do we do? We trigger God's favor. For he that multiplies the seed to produce the harvest because he loves givers. God loves givers. The more we sow, the more certain the harvest. So when giving becomes a lifestyle, luck gets banished in your life. Hallelujah. As you see me like this, luck is banished in my life. Because I've learned a lifestyle of giving. Hallelujah. Luck is not banished in my life because I'm the best architect in town. I think they say I am. Luck is banished in my life because there's a principle of multiplication at work in my life. I've shared the testimonies with you. God multiplies seeds sown. Hallelujah. In Genesis 8, also we read about Noah. Bible says, every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. Then Noah built an altar to God 
and took of every clean animal and every clean bed and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Bible says the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. And God said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Noah's spontaneous expression of thanksgiving in response to the great deliverance of God for his family from the great flood that wiped out all life on earth triggered the greatest blessing of God for mankind. Seed time and harvest. An everlasting covenant that God says will not fail. God is always thrilled by thanksgiving. Now, if the forerunners of our faith understood that, then it would be great foolishness. For you and I, believers of today, believers of the new covenant, not to do likewise. Because that covenant strikes at the very heart of our well-being. I'll conclude by giving the example of David. I'll be giving the examples of many foreigners. David. Bible says a time came when Israel was being ravaged by a plague. And David was wondering what will stop this plague. He went to God and prayed. And God said, go to a threshing floor that belonged to Arana. Go there and build an altar and sacrifice a great offering to me. And the plague will stop. So David went to Arana's threshing floor. And when Arana saw the king come to him, he was so moved and flabbergasted. King, why would you come here? And David told him, God says, I should sacrifice on this threshing flower. And Arana said, ah, okay, take the threshing flower, take all these animals, go and sacrifice to God. I'll give it to you free. David said, no, no, no. I'm going to buy the treasure flower. Hallelujah. I'm going to buy the animals. I'm going to buy the equi equipment. And he made a great statement in Second Samuel 24-24. I need you to note. He says, I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. When Americans buy things, they'll tell you, I bought this TV and it set me back by a thousand dollars. That's the language of America. Say it set me back by a thousand dollars. They're speaking like David. David said, I will not offer unto the Lord that which costs me nothing. Every time you give, as I'm going to give today, and it doesn't move you, hear me well, it will not move God. Are you listening to me? When you come today to offer your offerings, to bring your thanksgiving, and it doesn't move you, that is to say, what you have removed from your purse or from your account doesn't move you, I guarantee today, it will not move God. How do I know? When Jesus saw the widow who gave a mite, it moved him. Why did he move him? She gave everything. He saw the rich folks putting their money. He just blinked. Why? 
it didn't move them. Because what they took was nothing compared to what they had. Hello? If you have a million naira in your account, and today you bring 10,000 naira to give to God, I guarantee you it wouldn't move God. Hello? I hope I'm still your friend. Am I still your friend? Let me say it again. If there is a million naira in your account, and all you brought is 10,000 naira today, I speak on behalf of the Lord. I'm prophesying to you. God says the Lord, I am not impressed. Because there is so much left there. Hallelujah. The way you have a hundred thousand in your account. And you have come today with fifty thousand naira. Jesus is watching you and smiling at you. Because he knows you have made a sacrifice. Are you with me? How many are ready to make a sacrifice to God today? That's what it will take to move God and trigger multiplication in your life. If you forget everything I've said, don't forget this. What is left behind is an indication of how much God is moved by what you are going to do to him today. Hallelujah. How much will this harvest set you back? That's what Jesus is wanting to hear. Hallelujah. How much will it set you back? Once a year, you are appearing before God. Are you going to appear empty-handed? Prove me now herewith, says the Lord. I'm not going to guarantee that God is the guarantor of what I'm saying. He's a God that triggers multiplication. He's a God that does what? Triggers multiplication. He sets you up for a greater harvest than what you are seeing today. When? Between now and December. Because he's a faithful God. Hallelujah. Welcome to Harvest 2018. If you love what you're hearing, put your hands together for Jesus. But the greatest harvest in your life is when you give your life to Jesus. If today you haven't given your life to Jesus, there is a great harvest about to come into your life. Because when Jesus comes into your life, he sets you up for a life of multiplication and harvest. Hallelujah. There is no one who comes to Jesus and receives nothing. When you come to Jesus, you receive abundant life. He gives you a raise. Hallelujah. What did I say? He gives you a raise. If you are ordinary, he makes you extraordinary. Hallelujah. If you are a nobody, he's going to turn you to somebody. Jesus lifts up. Jesus never puts down. And today, if you are in service with us, before you bring your sacrifice, before you bring your offering, the first giving is your life. Give your life to Jesus. You will never be the same. You will receive a raise, and that raise will drive you through life. Hallelujah. I gave my life to Christ as a 15-year-old young man. Not nothing. Ordinary person. 
the God lifted me up and took me and gave me a raise. Hallelujah. Took me through the ranks. And today he had lifted me up to levels I never knew I could attain in life. Amen. Today he has given me all that pertain to life and godliness. Given me wife, children, grandchildren. All my needs are met. Anywhere I want to fly to in the world, I fly to the place. Because God is a faithful God. This is not what makes me happy. It's not the house I live in. It's not the cars I ride. It's not all the good things I have in life. It is Jesus. In my heart that makes me happy. Christ in you is your hope of glory. Nothing else counts beyond that. If you are here and you want to give your life to Jesus. So you can begin a new and exciting life. This is the time to do that. As we bow down our heads to pray. As we bow down our heads to pray. I want to say, Jesus, take over my life. Start something new with me. Begin a new life with me. Lift me up from this level where I am. And take me to higher grounds. Jesus is ready to do that. Don't mind about how your life is. Don't make any resolutions. Just come to Jesus as you are. It is Christ in you that makes the difference. Not the change you want to make by yourself. If you are here, you want Jesus to become the Lord of your life. So that 2018 harvest will be high marked by your turning to Jesus. Say a little prayer with me. Wherever you are, on your seat. Just whisper a little prayer with me now. You want Jesus to become Lord of your life? Say this prayer with me. Just say quietly where you are on your seat. God is listening. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, Today, I come and ask for your mercy. Today, I ask you to become Lord and Savior of my life. Today, I ask you to change my heart and change my desires and change my world view. Today, I need you to become the Savior of my life. If that is the prayer you are offering right now, just come forward, come forward and hold hands with me. Let's pray together. You are saying, Jesus, take over my life. You are taking the best decision of your life because years from today, you are going to be sharing testimonies of what began to happen because of this decision. That's the highlight of this service. Come forward. You are saying, Jesus, come and take over my life. Just say with me, dear Heavenly Father, thank you today for revealing Jesus to me. Today I open the door of my heart. Come into my heart and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for touching my life today. In Jesus' name I pray. And the whole church says, Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for these young ones as they open their hearts and come to you. Thank you because you said in your word, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. So we know that they have been accepted in the kingdom today. Blessed be your holy name. Behold, you make all things new. Father, the things you want to do newly in this life, begin it. And lift them up. And set them up to become instruments of righteousness and glory in their generation. Thank you for touching their hearts today. 
In Jesus' name we are praying. Amen. Amen.